There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Rarely going where no one has gone before. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... A guest from afar. Sean Fangirl Ash! Yay! I'm here! I beamed in today just for this. How am I supposed to follow that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Richard Dave. And today we'll be discussing episode seven, seven of Star Trek's Lower Decks. I could say I'm a visiting admiral, but I mean, that's yeah. you. <laughs> a sub-captain. Right. right. <laughs> sub, sub-cap. I'm so glad I got to join you guys today. Yes. Glad to have you finally. We've been trying <laughs> for the last month. <laughs> yeah. Schedules just don't always work or... My dog doesn't always cooperate. Let me yeah, sleep that's more hours. than it, more than anything. <laughs> now, I did notice, you know, we had Star Trek Day last week, and I got to see later on the next day, Mike McMahon had posted about the episode and actually going through how there's steps to actually produce an episode. And he let the cat out of the bag. They're already working on stories for season two. Really? Yes. Well, you know, these writers, you know, they're always hoping the best. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we're writing. You can't stop us. Yeah. Well, let's hope. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it'll be back. I think so, too. It's hilarious. I mean, this episode was a little bit less funny in the beginning to me. Right. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, last episode, I my husband, too. Oh, my gosh. We were dying. But I'm, like, really enjoying this. And, yeah, I'm cracking up. And I'm like, you know what? I can see this actually, like, not just being cartoon. Like, I can see this happening. I don't know why I, I think it Oh, I got the same funnier. feeling. To, to me, this this seemed like a real Star Trek episode. I mean, aside yeah. from the Boimler stuff, but Mariner and her captain friend going to the other ship, that, that's the, that was very Star Trek-y. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 100% agree there. Interesting. Okay. I know they, they separated. I mean, last week, Boimler and Mariner were very close. And not that close. <laughs> not, it's not like their boots were touching. <laughs> but they, a mutual admiration society. Today, uh, in this episode, they separated them. First time they all season. separated everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah strange. So episode seven, much ado about Boimler, Mariner tries to impress her best friend from Starfleet Academy, who is now visiting Captain. Boimler is set to a Starfleet medical ship after a transporter accident puts him out of phase. So uh, I said to Steve last week, much ado about Boimler, a little ripped on some Shakespeare, much ado about nothing. And then I thought today, I'm like, they substituted Boimler for nothing? Does that mean Boimler's a nothing to these people? (laughs) I know, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Much ado about Boimler. I mean, if it's innocent, then 
it's all about him and his phasing. If it's less than innocent, then they don't think they don't have much uh, respect for him. <laughs> That's really sad when you put it like that. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that until today. Right. Oh, I'm sad for Boimler. What to do about nothing or Boimler. <laughs> I'm kind of sad for Boimler anyway, because what happens to him after all in this episode? <laughs> yeah, he's back to being a kind of a loser as opposed to last week when he wasn't. <laughs> Oh. I know. I'm on Boimler. I'm Boimler's case this week. I'm like, come on, you can do it. <laughs> oh, shall we jump in, gentlemen? Yeah, go ahead. Well, we know Tendi and Rutherford are both kind of nerds, geeking out over the science stuff. And this week, it was no exception, because Tendi decides to genetically engineer the dog in her spirit mm-hmm. type. Not just any dog, of course, because apparently Tendi has never actually seen a dog. Or knows what they do. Which I'm thinking, why wouldn't you have gone to the holodeck and just put in show me dogs? Something. Google it. I mean, (laughs) come on. There's got to be something in the archives. That's her side project. (laughs) Engineer a dog. Wow. Yeah. And everybody else is just looking beat to crap and they're trying to go to bed. And she's like, wait, wait. Check out what I, I did. When she goes to the bathroom, she works on her project. Yeah. <laughs> Nine billion slices. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just love it. It's like, oh, look it. It's a golden retriever. It looks totally normal. Yeah. Until. Yeah. Spits like, bats late, <laughs> later on. What? Yeah, one eyeball bats and... And when it was climbing the walls, I love it, though, because we still have Mariner just like, eh, let me know if it does something I need to worry about. I know, everyone is horrified. She rolls over. (laughs) Like I said, she kind of beat to crap. Who knows what they've been doing that day? But what? Really? I'm watching that and I'm looking at my dog going, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What do you do when I'm not here? I need to get one of those cameras. I mean, you never know. She doesn't act like a dog all the time. So, you know, I kind of side eye her. Yeah. And yeah, the next day we find out after all the craziness happened with our weird little dog-ish animal. Well, a temporary bridge crew is going to be coming to take over for Captain Freeman, Commander Ransom, and Shax is absent. I say that a couple times fast. And I'm thinking, did that ever happen in like any of the shows? Because they're always going to away missions. Like they never mentioned that. Like you have a visiting captain come and take over. And it kind of made me wonder. You guys have been watching Star Trek for a while. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, they definitely did. Oh, yeah. Jellico. Yeah, Jellico. Jellico was mentioned in the episode, yeah, right? Yeah, Mariner even mentions him. <laughs> yeah. Jellico the jerk. <laughs> I do not remember that. To, like, oh, yeah. Now I'm going to have to go back through all this. Which one? Because that's a lot show, of Star They track. never do anything without a callback. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think funny. you've seen it before, you definitely have. <laughs> well, our bridge crew that is being sent on an elite team covert mission <laughs> with very interesting chain of command stealth uniforms. It's like, what? We've seen and then those we've, too. <laughs> yeah. What would we find out? It's. Yeah. Plant some roulot seeds on some agricultural colony. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like they're saying that and it's like so intense. And I'm just sitting there going, what did I miss? Nothing. You know, it's like Starfleet Command is fighting a war against the Borg or Klingons or Romulan somewhere. And they said, well, who's going to do the seed thing? Well, just give it to Cerritos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fine. They're highly volatile. Yeah. Tell them it's a covert mission. Yeah. <laughs> Disputed territory. It's like, really? 
I feel like the entire ship is laughing at them at this point. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, highly volatile seeds. Sure, okay. But the senior staff is taking it over the top. And everybody else is like, yeah, all right, who are we getting to cover this? And like you guys said, Jellicoe-type replacement. And of course, Boimler is super psyched for whoever's coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing he's hoping that he makes such a great impression that they take him away. It's like, is this like your your damsel in distress moment? You're hoping that the captain from the other ship that's visiting is going to pick you up and carry you away to their ship? Be like, come with me, Boimler. I'm going to make you... He's not even even shy about his ass kissing. No. (laughs) I love the hair thing, though. Does this look better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm watching it going, what the hell are you doing? It's great, but it's just, it was bad. Poor Boimler. And uh, Rutherford is attempting to speed up the transporter, but he needs a guinea pig. So Boimler's like, this will be great. (laughs) Just what I need. I'll impress the new captain. And I'm thinking, okay, that went way too well the first time they did it. And so you knew something bad was going to happen when they try to transport him back. And are you making the noise for me? Yeah. <laughs> and yes, he gets caught mid-phase. Physically, he's kind of sort of there because he can interact with things. But he's producing a bright blue light and a really loud, shrill transporter tone. Ironically, he doesn't need that to be a first-class whiner. No. I love it when he's like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and report to the bridge. It's fine. And everyone's like, what yeah. the hell is wrong yeah. with you? It's nothing. It's definitely something. <laughs> Go that sick bay. But, but. Yeah. I know he's all lumped, slumped over. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then the doctor. Uh, well, I mean, they did manage to at least get him from making the noise. I mean, Rutherford did something. He's like, see, that's not so bad. These minor victories are like climbing Everest to them. Yes. yes. At that point, I'm shocked Boimler didn't go running back to the bridge. Like, I got this. I'm not making the noise. It's fine. <laughs> I can work through anything. Hannah wasn't going to let him go back to the bridge. Genius nope. looks pissed all the time. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're just there, no matter what, you're going to be pissed. I don't know what to say with her, but she's like, you know, fine. I already called him. The only people that can fix you, Division 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. It'll be great. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> Anything you call Division 14. Probably isn't good, just like Section 31. Right? It's like, I feel like all those specialized areas, it's like, oh, you're super screwed. And then when they describe it, don't worry, don't worry, it's like the farm. (laughs) farm. Oh my God, is this like what they used to tell kids? Yes. We're taking the dog to the farm. (laughs) I was seriously like worried for Boimler. Yeah, but he soldiers on in hopes that people will adapt to his new translucent lifestyle. But of course, Tiana's not having any part of it. And of course, he's going to the farm on Endochromis 5. (laughs) And we get to see this ship. It looks like a starship purse. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know it comes out of the darkest corner of the universe yeah and it's black <laughs> and yep very pointy nothing lo- nothing pointy. <laughs> looks like a uh star <laughs> starfleet ship nope. no no the captain is just frightening casket yeah. yeah yeah good old <laughs> a dojin captain 
course, takes Boimler and the dog, which is (laughs) accompanied by Tindy, aboard his equally terrifying ship full of Starfleet unsolvable space illnesses and failed science mysteries. Oh, no. Yeah. Big show. This assembled self-identified freaks are a Star Trek trip through the island of Dr. Moreau. With a stopover in Sid's room of, from Toy Story. Definitely. I was expecting one of us. One yeah. of us. That would have been awesome. <laughs> well, they tried to convince him, that's for sure. He is so by the book, though. I mean, come on. Yeah. And patients are a who's who of Starfleet's dark anomalies and the clinically obscene, including an incident in a pike chair. <laughs> several of them, actually. That was and awesome. A devolved lizard Anthony. Oh, God. Is that that a person? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it was. And, of course, the leader of this group is a half-old man, half-boy leader of Starfleet's hidden mistakes, rallies them all under Freak's Fight Back. Why? I can hear him approaching now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the old chairs they were using. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. uh, Bike chair. Bad rollers. Yeah, but the mutiny is short-lived because, of course, Boimler goes to the captain and blabs. Yeah, Boimler, come on, dude. (laughs) And, of course, the captain goes absolutely creep villain (laughs) on us and turns around and lets the rest of them on the ship know that Boimler's the one who informed him of their little (laughs) mutiny. That's awesome. He shuts the door behind him. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, oh, God, this and is And they good. just jump him. I thought they were going to tear him to pieces or something. Yeah, I did I too. was actually hoping at this point, like, they would jump through him, like he yeah. was getting so <laughs> out of phase or something. But they decide there's even a better way to deal with Boimler by spacing him through an airlock. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. you put yourself in there. Good, lucky us. Fortunately for him, when the airlock is opened, (laughs) he roll. You know he's prepared. You know he even holds his nose as he falls out the airlock and lands on green grass as the (sighs) ship has already landed on the farm. But it gets worse for poor Boimler. I feel so bad for him. This place is a paradise. But as soon as he gets back up onto his feet, his phasing disappears so it wasn't permanent it was temporary i was wondering if it was like he had to have a major stressful incident or if it was just strictly temporary well he definitely thought he was about to have a stressful (laughs) incident so that could have done something could have been part of it either way i think uh something we can learn from indeed (laughs) and so of course he's gonna have to go back and we get a touching moment with Tindy as she says goodbye to the dog. As it flies dog. away. Yeah. yeah. And, and oh, my God. And what was it? It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Was it spit acid or something? Yeah. Like, That's not normal. And can talk and everything else. And it's just like, yeah. holy crap. Tindy, do some research. You really are a freak. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What is happening? It's great. Of course, the disappointed Boimler and Tindy are returned to the Cerritos. 
which has got their own problems, don't they, Dave? As always, as always. <laughs> One comment about the a- animation for this show. Steve and I spoke on it last week. It, it's not the most sophisticated, but when Boimler holds his breath and is ready for the worst, he, he looks at it. He's got his eyes pinched closed. Yeah. Pinching his nose. I'm going to die. <laughs> and when Tendi talks to the dog, she puffs her cheeks like, aren't you the cutest little thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, because I totally just see you doing it right now in yeah. my head. <laughs> <laughs> you see? Because that's something that everybody does to dogs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, dogs are babies. Yeah. Who's a baby? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of babies, I'm kidding. Sorry, Mariner. <laughs> we have to get to the Mariner. This I thought was the A plot. What do you guys think? Was this the yes. A plot to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? This was the A plot. Okay. So Mariner being Mariner assumes that the temporary captain will be some stuffy blowhard, but is sideswiped by the revelation that it's Amina Ramsey, guest star, talks Olegandoy on an academy friend that she graduated with. So cool, man. Turns out she's not quite the same person that married party around back in the day. She's so casual when she's she's always complaining about something. She's definitely a kid. She's right, because later on she admits she's not ready. She needs to be ready. But she never explains to her captain. And I was a little surprised that her captain friend didn't look into her file and say, well, geez, she's still an ensign. How could that be? And then look into all the stuff she either did or didn't do. Right. But half-hour animated show. Don't look into it too deeply, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe she just figured it was her mom, like, messing with her. Yeah, could be. Yeah, because you you figure that Ramsey has to know that she's Freeman's daughter and the Admiral's daughter. She's led on to it at all. There's nothing that, no sly look or or anything like that or, or a hint. But she should know. Yeah. She should know, and she should know what Mariner's problem is and why she isn't moving up the ranks. Because later on, they, she says to her, we, f- we figured you'd be first to be captain. Right. Huh. Am I taking this too seriously? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ramsey's a captain. She takes her own bridge crew, and they're about as seriously bridge crewy as a, a bridge crew can get. <laughs> she she loves all the aspects of the job, considering it's not the, the only fine taking on a temporary duty aboard the Cerritos, but excited to help install water filters on a swampy-ass planet. Bogs. Who cares about bogs? Yeah. Bogs are exciting. <laughs> Not to Mariner, they weren't. Yeah. She's always, when she's lying in her, her bunk, you either see her with her sleeves rolled up, totally exhausted, and she's like, I forget the word for it, but the nonchalant's not even it. She usually has her tunic unbuttoned, yep. at least one button. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it's part of her rebellious nature, too. I don't have to wear this uniform. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I get a feeling she would really fit in really well on Picard's crew. <laughs> The new crew? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Kind of like the misfit. Where do I belong? They question themselves. They don't know where they belong until they find each other, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a foil to mask that Mariner puts on for this disaffected, disorderly ensign, skirting the rules and shirking responsibility, Ramsey is the calm, collected mirror. Good to have friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, over the course of this episode, this completely un- undoes Mariner. Yeah. Getting made number one. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, it's still strange, though. She was so happy to see her friend. You know, they gleefully reminisce about their parting days during Starfleet Academy and Mariner. Mariner's quickly and starkly reminded that Amino has done some growing up and that's something that she hasn't done. And some of her uh, reactions didn't seem affected. They seemed like she was deeply embarrassed. At right. Least. Yes. I was thinking that, too, or the way she was acting, that it was almost like maybe she had a crush on her and... She was just kind of fumbling over everything. Kind of crush. 
<laughs> Mariner and her friend. I thought like maybe Mariner had a crush on her. Like not just uh, like, oh, you're captain and look at you, big bad, but like romantically, like back <laughs> day, and that that's why she's like a little, like, oh, I'm fumbling over my own feet. If she had a crush on her, more than a few buttons would be undone in her <laughs> tunic, I think. Oh, so she's Kirk, you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shirt's off. <laughs> How'd that shirt come off again? Anyway, the distance too cool for a spaceship school persona shatters, and she messes up simple stuff on the mission that nearly creates a major problem, earning Ramsey and her team's ire. But more potently, the interim captain's disappointment. I guess we find out sooner or later that she's, like, faking it because she realizes this is an audition, and perhaps she doesn't have the confidence to be ready for this. She just wants to pal around with her pal. She doesn't want to go through an audition. Right. And maybe for something she's not ready for. I totally think she's ready, but then after what we've seen in a previous episode about her not noticing something, like, I don't know if maybe that's part of it. Like, okay, I I just need to go back and kind of chill and kind of reevaluate everything. But she does amazing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, spontaneously she does when called upon. But when it comes to the rules... She's a screw up, and I, that didn't seem affected to me when they land on the Bog planet. She starts marching in the wrong direction. <laughs> Coming with us? Oh, yeah, sure. Or the fact that she forgets all the tricorders. You know? Yeah. So, did she deliberately do that so she could screw up the, ad- the audition? Or is she so intimidated by her friend's promotion to captain that she can't help but screw up? What do you guys think? I can see it being that she's intimidated and she's like, oh, great. Everything I do is just going to show how I'm a screw up, mm-hmm. no matter how good I am. But then at the same time, like, I see her in the back of her mind going, if I'm good, she's going to tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, right. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't want that. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. I I really think that it's something that we haven't seen yet that had to happen back previous to this where mm-hmm. she did have some responsibility and somebody got hurt. Well, that's kind of like discovery. Right. To where she doesn't want that responsibility anymore. Yeah. Well, huh. But she can, she performs when the chips are down and makes sure everybody gets saved. But if she had the responsibility of doing that, she it would freak her out too yeah, much. I think so. Mm. I think it would just bring back whatever that was. Whoever got hurt on her, under her responsibility is. Yeah. And she, that's, that's, that's kind of deep, deep and serious. It seems beyond this show to be that deep and serious. <laughs> true. Very but, true. <laughs> but not that I don't doubt it, though. I don't. I, it seems like, I don't know, that's more appropriate for Picard or Discovery, but not this show. But you never know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to throw something deep and meaningful, and you're doing it. Eat your words, Dave. I got pretty I'll be deep sorry. in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so these story. questions, yeah, uh, these questions come to a head when a more serious emergency arises, and Ramsey is forced to divert the Saritos. I always think of Cheetos when I see that <laughs> to a rescue mission to save the crew of the uh, the crew of the USS Rubido. I should have looked up Rubido. Does anybody know what a Rubido is? I know what a Robido. I've worked with Robidos, but what's a Rubido? Aside from a French name. Yeah. Anyway, there's a strange creature tearing the ship's power circuit apart. Mariner loses her cool on being a klutz at a time when she really can't afford to be, and Ramsey's disappointment quickly turns into frustration. Yeah, I like how they win their first their little cartoon fist go right down to the side. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're like, Ugh, what are you doing? But when the uh, stakes aboard the Rubidoux become lethal, the two of them come into the lost depth, leading the crew to safety. That was really exciting. Actually, that's when it felt really Star Trekky yeah. to me. Yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, the immediate... it's like, no, it's in the ship. And you know what's great about that, too, was the, not the sound design, but the, the score. Right. Do you hear the score in the background? It's like pulsating and, and I was going to say throbbing. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a porn film. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it, but, it, but it was really crazy. Hey, you're the one that thinks there's a love affair going on yeah. between Mary hey. and <laughs> Well, didn't, didn't you imagine some buttons popping off of somebody's tunic? <laughs> I just thought maybe she was crushed, and that's why she's going to fumble over her own feet. They should have know, switched quite literally this, at one point. They should have switched to the scene where they're doing each other's hair <laughs> in some in one of the rooms. Oh, it looks so nice like that. <laughs> My God. That's not a girl thing, you guys. You don't you don't fix no. each other's hair. No. Yeah, oh. back, back when we were like eight. Yeah, girl thing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is my success to my knowledge of women. You just heard it. <laughs> so anyway, back to the show. The immediate personality switch leads Ramsey to ask a question that really shakes Mariner up. She knows that Ramsey was going to offer a promotion and join the crew aboard the Oakland. So why did she deliberately sabotage herself? I wonder if this is San Francisco. Maybe they're right across the bay from me each other anyway <laughs> uh, never ends mariner can't afford to truly answer the question until the, the day is saved thanks to some last minute ingenuity on her own part mostly because she's busy trying to be both right in spite of herself and not get everyone killed it was pretty heroic yes it actually was. yeah there was some great moments when uh she was saving somebody's life she got that that glowing tendril wrapped around her yeah and then ramsey brings out the phaser and zap the tendril i'm like this is cool yeah <laughs> I love oh. it though when she's yelling and she, for Rutherford and she's like, Boy more us! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a bum. When the dust is settled and the Rubidoux crew is saved, she finally admits to it. She really does want to rank up and take command to do these things she's been seeing Ramsey do, but she doesn't feel like she's there yet. Mm. Well, she's the only one stopping her is her then. Yeah. Plus Steve's theory that uh, there's something in her past that may have tragically happened. The dark aspect of this cartoon show. Hey, <laughs> you know they're going to throw some monkey wrench into this whole thing and be like, oh, you thought it was just this. No. It'll be the last episode. We're all laughing our butts off and it gets right to the end. We're like, oh my God, that's dark. <laughs> what happened? Oh my goodness. So the comfort zone of putting on her distance persona to masquerade her outstanding competence gives her the space to find out who she truly is as a person before she can trust herself to have the lives of others in her hands. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. see. I wonder. That just makes Steve's theory sound even more plausible. I know what it is. It's the mirror universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's really a Terran. That's right. <laughs> and Boimler's in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Maybe she comes from the nice universe, and this is the dark universe. He'll find out right at the end. That would be a twist. That yeah. sure would. Yes. It'll be a crossover. To, crossover where they rewrite the whole plot lines through Discovery and Picard. They'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll be wearing uh, mustaches and goatees. <laughs> That would be an awesome way to bring him on this, this series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you guys ready to get into some Easter eggs? Oh boomer talk gosh. and top what? five jokes? Oh, wait, wait. Top five jokes? Oh, yeah. We always do the top five oh, jokes. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried, but let's do it. Oh, is that steam? Oh, maybe it's just your forehead melting. 
<laughs> Cut up, Dave. All right. This episode is... <laughs> you going to say something, Sean? No, no not at no? all. Okay. <laughs> You're fired. You're so fired, Dave. Uh, what's below Ensign? <laughs> This episode is the 12th episode or film to feature the name of the character played by a member of the series' regular cast in its title. In this case, the name of the Brad Boimler. Previous characters with episode titles include Spock, the original series Spock's Brain, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, wow, he's the man, Data, and Next Generation Data Lore, and Elementary, Dear Data, Data's Day, A Fistful of Datas, holy smokes, Dana Troy in The Next Generation, Menage a Troy, Jazita Dax in Deep Space Nine, Dax, that was clever, Quark <laughs> in Deep Space Nine, The House of Quark, and Julian Bashir in Deep Space Nine, Our Man Bashir, Dr. Bashir, I presume, wow. Oh, here's something fun. Uh, although Shax has no lines in this episode, Fred Tadaschiori voiced the uh, Edosian Division 14 officer, the multiple arms and the skull face and everything yeah. else. So spooky. Yeah, that, that he did a great job because that, oh, yeah. that guy was definitely creeptastic until yep. they yeah. land on the farm and he goes, oh. Maybe if we painted the ship some yeah. brighter colors. <laughs> Turned on some lights. We should have <laughs> talked it out. <laughs> oh, no, no. I said that! Uh, uh, what was the name of the character on Green Acres? Oh, wait a minute. Boomer Talk. Yes. Uh, what was the name of the character on Green Acres? Now everyone's at their computer with their head. Green Acres. What the heck is that? My grandparents watched that. What was that show? Oh, Mr. Drucker. He's yes. like Mr. Drucker at the country store all of a sudden. Hopefully everyone's Googling Mr. Drucker for pictures right now. Right now. Right now, right now. And the life form that grew out of the USS Rubidoux, not Robidoux, was very similar to the space vessel life form first introduced in the next generation encounter at Farpoint. That's the first thing I thought of. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, look. And then maybe the difference was there was more tentacles and a lack of a shell around the body. But I don't know. I, I, I can't see it as anything else. Right. Absolutely. Hmm. Maybe that was the other one. Yeah. The uh, Division 14 medical specialist was the first appearance of a Edosian since the animated series, The Counter Clock Incident. Remember that one, Sean? I do not. <laughs> How far back are we going? I, I don't know. The animated Early series. 70s. Oh, well, cheese and rice, so yeah. no. No. <laughs> For your time. I was not born in the early 70s. And the, the ship uh, that the guy arrived in, in Edosian, was the Osler. His register is NX75300, which indicates it's an experimental or prototype starship. This really threw me for a loop, Steve. Yeah. The original Enterprise was NX01. It was launched in 2151. How do I know that? I looked it up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing the things you'll find there. I know it. So I went on. It's the first thing I thought about this, too. And I go, NX, is this thing out of the past? It looked like it came out of some temporal rip, you know, with all the lightning ball. That's what I was actually thinking. In the darkness. And I go, NX, where are they going? Because NX was, you know, the original Enterprise that Archer commanded. Right. I'll give you a quick couple of paragraphs from uh, Memory Alpha. One of the most important starships in the interstellar history, Enterprise NX-01, so I guess that was the first one, yep. was the culmination of the NX project. The NX-01 was the first NX-class starship launched by the United Earth Starfleet in 2151. 
Enterprise established United Earth as a legitimate institutional power and caused a wholesale revolution in alpha and beta quadrant politics, paving the way for the creation of the Coalition of Planets on 2155 and eventually the United Federation of Planets in 2161. And that's what threw me for a loop. Why is this? It I, Where are they in their history, Steve? Are they in Kirk time or uh, they're in uh, Picard time, though, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. I'm like, so, with everything yeah, that they've talked about. Yeah. So why? Why is this an NX ship that was in 2151? Well, what, you got to look at the number. Yeah. That first Enterprise was 01. This is 75300. <laughs> <laughs> they were working pretty hard on these ships. Yeah. <laughs> but NX, though, that was that was United Earth Starfleet and right. the Coalition of Planets. It wasn't the United Federation of Planets. So why would they keep doing with NX? I, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> and as a side note, the people I grew up. Uh, up with across the street, their name was Osler too. <laughs> oh, nice! Yes, the Osler. They were aliens. <laughs> I always suspected as much. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I think you have your re- your actual proof now. <laughs> there was uh, I won't say anything. There's a lot of aliens in our neighborhood growing up. <laughs> also, much as in Deep Space Nine in Purgatory Shadow, Julian Bashir wore the original Deep Space Nine Starfleet uniform, indicating that he had been a prisoner of the Dominion since before the first contact style uniform was adopted. In this episode, the leader of the attempted mutiny on the Osler, my neighbors, wear the first contact style uniform and the post-2371 com badge, suggesting that he had been aboard the Osler since before the lower deck style uniform uniform and combat were adopted Whew. what yeah <laughs> a long time how, how the heck oh my gosh how are you guys noticing that like i'm not even grasping the, the different uniform styles i'm just like okay different ship oh yeah we were talking about last week with the like the pullover type there were the t-shirt types and there was the comfy one yeah. that they wore in the last uh i mean they did look softer now they're gone from those and they're totally casual and picard but what was uh what was Riker wearing in the Picard series? He was wearing um, they're pretty much the newer ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Soccer style? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of... Yeah, uh, he was sitting back in the captain's chair, just all casual. Just Yeah. <laughs> Should have seen him uh, throw his uh, leg across the chair. That would have been worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to follow the page. Riker sits like a whore. So, <laughs> it was like just gifts of him, like throwing his leg over his chair. Like, oh my god! I met him though. I feel bad. He was really nice. That explains a lot of things about my neighbors growing up too. Anyway. <laughs> We see stealth outfits worn by Picard, Dr. Crush, and Worf for the next generation in a planet, planet similar to the planet, uh, pleasure planet, Risa. I, I always stumble when I think of Risa because, you know, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best drinks in the galaxy. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, transport. We're going to get to the top five jokes and the transport accents are a, a part of it. Okay. And, of course, there are a dime a dozen in this franchise, most histor- notoriously in connection with Lieutenant Reginald Barkley. Yes. Ah! yes. I remember Reg. Yep. <laughs> what was it? Transporter Flu? Or <laughs> he was a good character. Oh, yeah. I just watched one with him on it. <laughs> on Star Trek Voyager, a transporter accident once merged two characters into one. So, yeah. Boimler's transporter accident is par for the course. Yes. <laughs> they even did that way back yeah, we that. Seen, Well, we've seen that, too. Yeah. I don't know. Here's another Boomer reference, Mad Magazine. Uh, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, did, they didn't do Star Trek. They did Star Black. Yeah. <laughs> and when Spock and uh, Kirk transported, they kind of messed up a little. And <laughs> there was only like half. 
of Kirk, <laughs> and he had his hand sticking out of his ear. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Uh, the stuff you don't see. <laughs> It seems as though, here's another Easter egg, body transformations are also a mainstay on the television shows. There was a time when a, a bunch of Enterprise crew turned into little children, and the other time when they were involved into animals. Yep. I do not remember the no. animals. <laughs> and don't forget the Voyager episode, Threshold, where Tom Paris and Captain Janeway turned into space salamanders. Exactly. <laughs> Who could forget <laughs> that? Maybe I am forgetting a lot of it. I guess I need to go back and watch some of these again. <laughs> A lot to get, there's a lot to cover. Maybe, yeah. maybe I've just um, blocking some of it out. Who knows? I guess that's where Anthony, his uh, shout out comes from because he was a salamander. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> you also see the patients on Division 14 suffering from uh, Delta radiation, which all trickies know is the inevitable fate of uh, Captain Christopher Pike. Oh, man. That gives me a chill. They yeah. say that's, that show is going to be not so much serial except for what goes on with the characters. I right. really want to see. Knows yes. he's, this is a little off topic, but he knows he's going to die. Yes. Horribly. Horribly. <laughs> and then they make fun of it in this episode, everybody going around the pike chairs. <laughs> People are sick. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Anyway. That's why it's right up our alley. Yes. <laughs> so, pop t- uh, top, I almost said pop type jokes. Yeah. How about top five jokes? Wow. I want yeah, to I, You know, I, I use the transporter in a house a little too much. Sometimes my tongue is not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> I, I won't oh, tell no. you where it is. No. Oh, <laughs> All right. Number five, the evil cackle is just the way I laugh. <laughs> that was at the end. He's like, he gets all dark again. He's like devious. He's like, yeah. He goes, oh, sorry. It's just the way I laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Number four was the, the floating, I called it the floating head chunks guy. This is a visual joke. All those land of misfit toy people. Yeah. One of them was a guy with most of his head missing, except the, there was chunks of it still floating, like just off his head. I don't, maybe it's me, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Floating head chunks guy. And number three is hair promotable. That Sean mentioned earlier. And he's going scrambling through his hair, trying to find out the perfect suck up type of hair. Yeah. <laughs> I was honestly wondering if one of those hairstyles were like reminiscent of somebody like a first officer. And I'm like, hmm, I think I need to watch that again. Just feel like. <laughs> I wonder if it's somebody in the writing room and they just crapped on everyone's hair there. Here's your hair. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. They can make me a real boy again. Oh my god! <laughs> He's like he was like Pinocchio. This is Boimler again. Yeah. He wants to be fixed, and his first thing that comes out of his mouth: They can make me a real boy again. <laughs> yes, Pinocchio. There's hope for you. <laughs> All right, number one, and this is totally me. I know everyone's going to disagree, but I I cracked up when a dog went by and then turned into a cube. <laughs> it just kept going one square part after another. They just look at it like, huh, that killed me. I want a cube dog. I have the zero, zero worried look. But I'm like, um, did you not see that? What happened here? Yeah. Stuff that happens that they don't even, doesn't even phase them. Right. <laughs> you know, dog turns into a cube and keeps on moving across the floor. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have nightmares about that. We have two Goldens in this household. I don't yeah. they're going to cube out on me or something. Well, if you just start hearing thump, thump, thump. <laughs> no. That's normal. That's normal. Normal. <laughs> you are a freak. 
Yeah. Well, we did get some feedback. As usual, our friend Fred from the Netherlands, whose COVID count is rising again, unfortunately. Uh-oh. Yeah, they're like the rest of us. Netherlands are becoming like the rest of us. Just can't yeah. put it out. Happens you open the door to everything. Yep, especially college kids. And that's got yeah. him worried because he teaches college kids. So you stay safe, Fred. My high school was in the news recently. Made the uh, Boston Globe. Wow. Uh-oh. Yeah, for the wrong reason. <laughs> well, they uh, I'm comes from one of those two-town high schools. It's a regional high school. One of the towns, not mine, had a 150-kid party. And they, uh, they oh, suspended geez. school for two weeks. And the superintendent was so mad, he called out all the parents in the state <laughs> between his two right in the front page of the paper. Wow. Wow. Oh, how could you think? He goes, don't tell me you didn't know. I yeah. don't want to hear it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was mad. Damn. Yep. So let's take a listen to Fred's feedback. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 7. When Captain Ramsey walked in, my first impression, she was a sister or half-sister of Mariner, and also a daughter of Captain Freeman. But they proved to be just buddies from the Academy, and it also proves that Mariner is not that bad at all. Actually, she was kind of top of her class, because Ramsey said, we were expecting you would be the first captain of us all. And even the Vulcan says, why are you just an ensign? So there is something very weird in Mariner's psychology, because under stress, she really functions as a good officer. Or is it an officer? Or is it just a Federation person? And that is what she is, and not so much Starfleet. Though the Starfleet philosophy, but not really Starfleet. Perhaps she would do better without a uniform and without ranks. Or is the point that she can't escape her upbringing, being a daughter of an admiral and a captain? Whereas she actually wants that. And again, as always, I didn't like the Tendi story so much with the crazy dog. What I did like, of course, is the pad at the beginning with the big symbol of DNA on it. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Wow, uh, he kind of followed your line of thinking, Steve. I kind of sound like he might be. Yeah. What's it? Something to do with her past? Yeah. Huh. Or it could just be that her parents were just so buttoned up and strict that it's kind of gotten in her psyche that she's not going to be that way. Or never going to be good enough. R- right. Yeah. That's all. Oh, you better believe that. Yeah. That's that definitely could be part of it is that she doesn't feel that she could ever be good enough to stand up to either one of them. You guys uh, are going real deep. I know, that's kind of sad. It is sad. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing a bunch of sad stuff here. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We're really darkening this hilarious show. It was a good point when he said, is she Starfleet or just Starfleet-like in following the philosophy? Right. Starfleet, not really cut out for the uniform. That's pretty interesting, too. Good take. Yep. And I think he'd agree with me. She'd probably do better on Picard. (laughs) Yeah. 
Not quite so buttoned up Starfleet. Well, as always, Fred, we appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again for the next episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Sean? Well, you can go to www.fangirlzone.com. Click on the contacts link and you'll find all the ways you can contact us through email and social media. Because if I was a better leader, I would remember all of these. (laughs) In her dark and sultry voice. (laughs) That was my captain's voice. Oh. (laughs) And then, then my crazy captain's voice but on twitter you can follow the guys over at, <laughs> at sell your steve or at the real underscore id underscore dave <laughs> and sean's at jetta 256 528 528 god damn it <laughs> god damn it <laughs> please review and rate us on itunes and every other platform you're listening to us on because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a boatload of Star Trek Lower Decks podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Yes, we have tons of fun on all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when I get the guys to talk about all sorts of random crap. Certainly did that in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, back in my high school days, it was like, oh. Like, okay, boomer. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the eighth episode is on September 24th and is titled Veritas. Ooh, some Latin. So until then, remember. Remember, it's it's Sean's turn. (laughs) Remember. (laughs) Pay attention, boys and girls. (laughs) Otherwise, you sound like me. Wear your mask. (laughs) Blindless out of here. And I'm Red Shirt Dave. Taking charge and punching out Yankee fans. I mean, captains. Captains. (laughs) 